You are listening to episode 125 of the Game Inflators Podcast. My name's John, and I am joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and I thought it would never end in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Absolutely love that. Uh, so, this week, we played a little bit of Res Infinite on the PS4, one of the free games that is out in uh, March, correct? And I think into April, if I recall. Yeah. I don't remember our exact dates on that. Uh, but we played that, and uh, we got a few cool episodes, or not episodes, a few cool uh, articles we're going to be reading this week. Uh, the first one is going to be the PS3 DRM kills digital games, and also within this article in particular, they also talk about the PlayStation 4's uh, DRM as well, and how it won't allow you to play physical games after the fact. Um, and that's after it dies. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, the PlayStation 5 may be adding PlayStation 3, PlayStation 2, and PlayStation 1 backwards compatibility. Uh, that is based on a new patent that Sony has released, and fans are now speculating. Uh, we've also got a rare, never-open N64 a DD or disk drive a dev kit that was open for the first time this week. And, uh, what's that? GameStop is now selling GPUs, or so they say. <clears throat> okay, Ryan, as we do with every week, our current pickups. You I've know, got stuff. You've actually got stuff, so let's go with you first. So, everybody out there in gaming world who is a Sony person... Uh, there's free games out there, folks. Go get them. We, we talked about this last week, but once again, I will just reiterate, you can get Res Infinite, Abzu, The Witness, Enter the Gungeon, Subnautica, Moss, Astrobot, Paper Beast, and Thumper, all for totally free uh, through April 1st, or no, no, let's see, through March 31st, 2021 at 8 p.m. PDT. Um, and then on... April 19th, Horizon Zero Dawn comes out for free, so I will have another pickup in the next month. Man, it feels good. Like, this is what it's like to accumulate stuff. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And digitally, too, right? Uh, so, for those listening, uh, based on the date that Ryan just gave, you will have until tomorrow to be able to pick up those games. Since it'll be released, uh, this episode will be released. No, 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 no. You'll have until Tuesday, I think. Or Wednesday. Wednesday, sorry. Man, I'm like all off of my dates, dude. Uh, okay. So, what else did you pick up? <clears throat> oh, uh, I borrowed Mario Odyssey from John. Oh, you're, you're welcome. You're quite So that welcome. I can start working on at least one of my uh, <laughs> new game's resolutions, hopefully. <laughs> you know, I really think that the, uh, the first game that needs to be played in my new house is, is going to be Blue's Clues. Blues. Yeah. yeah, might as well get that out of the way. Yeah, I think we need, you know, we need to record that while you're playing it. That should be pretty great. You're lucky, though, because i got to, like... Get new shelving up. I've got to dig out all the games. There's going to be a barrier. Yeah, there's, there's going to be, be a time frame. There will be a time frame. We're going to have uh, a number of episodes here coming out that uh, we've luckily pre-recorded for some some good fun that people enjoy. Uh, okay, and then uh, it looks like you also installed Mario, so you're on your way. Yeah. Yeah. All right, good stuff. No playing, just installed. Dude, so here's the thing. I've still been really busy with my, my new job, and when I come home, as much as I'd love to play video games, like all I want to do is sit down and read Berserk anymore. So that's kind of like I hang out, do some stuff at home, have some dinner, and then you know go to bed early like an old person and do a little bit of reading. So it's like I just 
I got to play these games, man. I really do. Like, four months in, mm-hmm. we've got eight months yeah, I'll to knock do out both conquers. of these games. And, like, I should be able to do that, but, like, I got to start doing it. So here's the thing for our loyal listeners. You can use the hashtag excuses on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter on uh, The Game Deflators and at The Game Deflators on Twitter. Or, no, at Game Deflators on Twitter and at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, so, yeah, hashtag excuses for Ryan. Hashtag bad <clears throat> podcast host. Bad podcast host. Hashtag never going to complete persona. Okay. Oh, never going to complete. Don't ever say that word. Uh, well, we'll see. Finish. We'll see. Finish. Finish at best. Never going to finish. Okay. Uh, our pickups for myself. Okay. So I said that wrong. Uh, my pickups included Hades on a Nintendo Switch. So you had picked it up digitally. I saw that Hades is going to have a very limited run. Um, technically on retail shelving and was like 30 bucks. Why not? Let's grab a physical copy and hold on to it. And when I want to play it, I'll have it. Uh, I also got some D&D stuff. So I picked up the uh, Candlekeep. Uh, I think it's Candlekeep Mysteries, I believe, is what I picked up. And uh, I got three copies of that book. Well, dude, they go for like, when it's all said and done, like 150 bucks in several months. So if I can pick it up at a retail location, you know, local game store for fifty dollars, because they have to sell it for retail or market, you know, uh, what is it, the MSRP, uh, suggested retail price. Uh, I just every time I go in, I'm just like two copies of each book, two copies. Like remember that Xanthers guy yeah. that I bought you, two hundred bucks. Like is it serious? Yeah, it's two. No, actually, it's more. It's like three hundred now. What? A new copy is like three hundred bucks of that book. What? Yes. All those alternate covers go for like crazy amounts of money. You D&D people are nuts. It is ridiculous, dude. I've so, got a couple of those alternate covers, and I mean, they're cool, but like $300 cool? Apparently, dude. Like, they're just, so they get one release. They go out to, they only go to local game stores. They get released a one time, and that's it. Dang. So it's however many they order. So the one that's not too far from me or had eight books on hand. Dang. Like, that's all they had. So... You have eight books for that entire area, and if you think we've only got in this place, like I don't know, I've been to like ten two stores? or three places. Yeah, we've only got maybe like maybe. Do they go out to like mass places like uh, Barnes and Noble? No, I mean it's really just uh, the local game store retail setting, from my understanding. I don't think Barnes and Noble is supposed to get these. It's supposed to be kind of that D and D store benefit, right? So you have the alternate covers because you run a local game store. So it's kind of that. Hey, because you do this, we're going to give you something special to bring those consumers in. Do you think it works the way like alternate covers for comic books do where it's like you order a hundred regular issues and you get one alternate cover that's like for every 10, you get one of these. And then for every hundred, you get one of these alternate alternate covers. So it's like it kind of builds up. I mean, I know that there's only one alternate cover, but like I wonder if they distribute x amount to store based on their total order volume or something i'm not 100 percent sure on that but uh when i looked at the store locally that we're not local but the one that was yeah i guess it was local the one that was near me it was like eight copies of the uh, alternate cover that they had in hand and then i looked and there was only about two copies of a regular right next to it i don't necessarily know if they can say like hey we only want to buy alternate copies because that would seem kind of weird you know like oh you're not going to buy our regulars you're just going to buy alternates that might well, be you wouldn't of, be able to buy enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because there's probably not enough to go around. So you might be right. It might be based off of an order figure of, hey, if you order X amount, we're going to give you this. For and every I, 10, you get one. Yeah. And I, re- and I remember when I worked with uh, within a comic game store, 
Uh, we had Diamond Comics was a big distributor that would you know ship a lot of it, and they yeah they ship a lot of comics, uh, and so there were a lot of like benefits. So oh, you want to get this? Well, we'll sell you this, but it's gonna have like you know it'll cut the price at this point, and then you'll get like one alternate figure or one alternate comic based on however many you order. So mm-hmm. it was a. Uh, it was interesting uh, to kind of see that behind the scenes process. But when I was there, we didn't really like we bought D&D stuff and we were starting in on buying D&D stuff. I wasn't into it at that point. Like we sold the minis and everything else, um, but and the boosters as well. But we would split the boosters and sell them individually, like on racks. So people it was a legit booster. It wasn't a case. Uh, but I do recall um, with D&D that we just didn't I don't think we got alternate covers back then when I was doing it. And I don't think that we went through like a diamond for that. I think we went through like one of the local distributors in the area, like a regional distributor, and just said, hey, we want to pick up however many copies of D&D books and booster cases and just ship them out. Like we didn't have like... Well, that would have been back in like 3.5, right? No, that was 5. That was when 5 first kicked off, which is crazy because... If Wait, we when did 5 come out? 5 came out in, I think, 2013, 2014. And I totally skipped over four. I don't know why I went all the way back to three point five. Right was there away. a four? Yeah, there was. I yeah. that's how poor four it e was. was like not super popular. Matt Colville talks about it in high regard, and I think it sounds interesting. It's just it's a totally different system, like as opposed to everybody having certain. I don't know. I don't know too much to want to speak on it, but the idea is that everybody has like powers, mm-hmm. so it's like the warrior can do stuff kind of on the same level as like the wizard as opposed to like if you've got a wizard who just slept and has all the spells like he's infinitely better than a warrior and a warrior's like gonna be good later on because they don't run out of spells that way but i i don't know i i never played it uh yeah i mean i obviously never played it i didn't play 3.5 either i played uh, but, one of those so i do think though like i mean not Having played 3.5 or 4 or any of the other you know prior sets, 5e is very much a player friendly game. I feel like it was super quick for me to pick up and understand. And even September Justin, 30th, 2014 is when 5e came out. Nice. And so even Justin, dude, like we got him in a campaign virtually. Like he's not even playing in person with us. He played one time in person when he was here back in November. And then ever since then, he's been playing online with us, and he's had no problems picking it up, dude. Like. He's picking things up super fast. He's getting his weapons in order. He knows how he's supposed to do ability checks. Like, it's all very much streamlined for him now. And, uh, you know, I I think it's just a real easy game to get into nowadays compared to maybe what it used to be. And that's me speaking out of, you know, not understanding 3.5 and and having played those in the past. But, I mean, would you say that 3.5 is probably a little harder to learn than the 5e? 3.5 is just, like, way more numbers. Like, we were... We never even got up to level 10, and I had, like, a plus 20 to my speech or something crazy. Yeah, and, and like... Or, that, like, I was rolling in the 20s regularly, like, low 30s. That's crazy. So, yeah, I think that's part of it, right? Like, the more dif- the most difficult part of D&D is more so tied to the numbers and trying to understand the stats, more so than it There's is the story. way more stats. And yeah. the way that you get stats is, like, I was playing as a rogue, and rogues get, like, three times as many stat skill points to put into levels every level up then like a warrior gets like two maybe or three so it's like you and there's like certain things you could do like 
you can do tie-ins where like if you get like 10 tumbling you automatically get to add like two to your balance stat and then if your balance stat reaches a certain point you can add two to some other stat so it's like you could plot it out in a way that makes it so you get like infinitely more points by strategically placing them and like you can level everything up like crazy that's what i was doing but it's nuts there's just so many more rules and supplements and stuff you can just like really break it open and do kind of whatever yeah and i think neverwinter nights is kind of built on that same module at 3.5 build if i'm correct uh just the whole thing of like balance and all of that is just reminding me of like what i had to do within that game uh to build up our character we were playing and we were playing i think rogue is what we played in that game uh, well, and then also this week, uh, I picked up all the PlayStation 4 games that were free, of course, uh, in addition to the PlayStation Plus games that I hadn't picked up yet for March. And surprise, surprise, I am still playing Apex Legends. Um, level 120-something right now, I've got consistent, you know, level 500 players that are inviting me to their party and stuff now, which is pretty cool. Um, so that, that's actually kind of nice to have, like, consistency with folks, like, jumping and saying, oh, hey, you know, come and join with us and talking if I'm on a mic and is somebody's there's a few people I've played with in the past that like if you play poorly for a few matches like all right I'm going to not play for tonight and then they're still playing cuz they just don't want to play with you and then there's some that are like I don't care like I was playing with a guy the other night where he was getting blitzed while we were playing the game and just like drunk and smoking and everything else at some point in the game this guy passed out like it was me and another 500 player and we're just kind of chit-chatting and I'm like hey uh is is so and so like awake and we're like hey man you, you there and like we had heard him in the background doing things and next thing you know we're like yeah he's not there let's leave the party and like he was just done like he collapsed yeah. at some point like he just fell asleep or, or passed out uh but yeah it was it's been interesting so I, i'm enjoying apex still and you know of course i'm moving so there's not really an opportunity right now for me to play um you know anything super grindy like a jade cocoon or jump into anything new so it's nice to just pick up apex play it for a bit put it down and and that's it uh, so hopefully once I get settled into a new place, I can get the N64 set down and start playing Conquers. Like I, I need to jump into that. We're, you know, like you said earlier, we're four months in uh, to the year and it's, I got to start. Yeah. So we're three months total into the year going into month four. All right. Uh, well, we've already talked about our articles that we are going to be uh, discussing this week, so let's jump into the first one here, which is the PS3 DRM Kills Digital Games. Uh, this report was by Rishi, it looks like Abi Rian? I, dude, I can barely see from here. Albanian? Uh, Albanian. Uh, this is from IGN. So the general idea here, and I've seen this on a lot of... Oh no, of sorry. Rishi Alwani. I don't know what happened. It must have like autocorrected. When I put the name in. Gotcha. Sorry about that, Rishi. <laughs> You're good, man. Uh, and so uh, this article, I've seen a lot of this on different forums and such. Mainly Xbox players making fun of Sony players is what I've seen this come from. Uh, but essentially what it's saying is that uh, within your consoles, you have like this battery. The CMOS battery. The CMOS battery. And so what happens is if the battery dies and, the, and Sony disconnects their servers to the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 and such... You lose the ability to be able to uh, do any sort of updates to those games, and in turn, because you can't do any updates and because you are not able to sync up to trophies that are tied into those games, you lose the ability to play those games. Even now, physical copies. 
on the PlayStation 4. On the PlayStation 3, so far, they said it's only digital. Sounds like you can still play physical on the PlayStation 3, which doesn't sound to be like an issue. Uh, But the PS4 is worse because not only are you not able to play digital, you or not play digital, you also can't play physical is what the report is saying. It does seem kind of odd uh, to say like, oh, well, this battery is not going to allow me to play because I don't think you have to technically be connected to a PlayStation 4 or have a PlayStation 4 connected to the Internet to play, correct? Well, it has to be able to get like the timing from the PlayStation network or a hack way in order for the trophy system to be able to sync up. So I guess my question would be, is if this battery dies at any point and a PlayStation 4 not having to be connected to the internet at all times, could I theoretically just toss in a new battery and and then once the time is set? I mean, I guess if the server is disconnected, I don't have the ability to update it, which is a fear everybody has. But if PlayStation 3 servers and such, like the free game, or not free games, but the stores are just now getting shut down and that game was, or console was launched in 2006... I think it's safe to say we're probably going to have PS4 servers up for at least another five to ten years. Yeah. I would think it's safe to say. I mean, and they're saying in the article that replacing the CMOS battery is not the hardest thing to do. Like, I've been watching some Spawn Wave for a while, and on the weekends he'll do a video where he'll, like, tear something apart. And it's like, I've not really had a whole lot of confidence. I think the first time I ever really did something was when I was trying to fix my PS3 controller a couple years ago. And, you know... You just got to be able to, you know, break that tape because you're obviously not going to send it into them. So it doesn't really matter if you break the tape anymore, but go in there and do it. Like that's just part of maintaining any legacy electronic at this point is, you know, making sure that batteries and other things are up to snuff. And also, you know, I was kind of thinking about this when I was reading this article, like we're so nervous about the all digital future and we're you know we've got so many great hardworking people out there that have really dedicated a lot of time and energy toward preservation uh, like we saw that big uh, dump of all those different uh ps2 games a few weeks ago like all the in development games and there's been so many uh you know museums started and people like you with these massive game collections it's like for the most part, we're not going to really lose access to a way to have access to those things. Like, it may not be the most convenient way. Like, if the, you know, I'm kind of upset that the Vita store is shutting down. Not that I've actually bought anything digitally on my Vita in years. But it's always nice to know that's there. But, like, we kind of got to get over the fact that, you know, new games keep coming out. And the newer generations aren't going to want to go back and play every little piece of video game history the same way that people don't go back and watch every movie ever made or go back and read every book ever written like we got to be okay with letting the things that we grew up with and the things that we think are important be important to us but it's not really this catastrophic loss for the future if people don't have access to lost uh, Lost in Shadow for the, the Wii. Wii. Yeah, well, that's a good game. <laughs> but, uh, you know, to your point as well, it's like, yes, I, I see the panic and, oh, well, I can't play my PS3 games digitally. Okay, well, that's on you for buying digital when so many people have said, hey, 
What happens if they disconnect the servers? Hey, what if this occurs? What if this occurs? Like everybody's bringing up reasons to these digital only collectors and saying physical is the way to go. And for those on PlayStation 3 that went digital, well, they're going to get screwed in the long run versus those physical collectors like myself. Uh, now, on the PlayStation 4, it's obviously a different case because if that dies and there's obviously the, the problem with it not allowing you to play physical. However, we just had the PlayStation 5 launch of backwards compatibility for the PS4. So I can still play PS4 games on a PS5. So say my battery dies in five years, right? I'll go buy a new PlayStation 5 five years from now if I want to, and I'll have an extended period of time to keep playing those games if I want to. You know, it's going to be probably 20 years by the time I am no longer able 100% to play those PlayStation 4 games. By then I'm going to be, what, like 50-something? I'll likely be playing the next console that's out at PS7. that point. PS7. Yeah, like, you know... and It's I, so real! I totally understand it's more of the, you know, oh, well, it's the, you know, the idea that they're allowing this to happen, right? Sony hasn't come out with an official statement, first off, on this. This is all people clamoring and getting pissed off. Until Sony comes out with an official statement, we'll see what happens, you know? And, and they have a... They support their consoles for a long time. I mean, the PlayStation 2 is support. I think, when was the last PlayStation 2 game or, like, console produced? Like, it, it was only in the last, like, several years that Japan stopped producing them. Like, new PlayStation 2s. Oh, something like that. Or maybe it was maintenancing them? I don't remember the exact... I know we talked about it, like, God, probably 50, 60 episodes ago. So about a year ago we talked about this. Uh, but... I can see Sony supporting the PlayStation 3 for some time. Obviously, they're not producing it, but they just cut off the store component. It doesn't mean they're not going to support it from maybe updates necessarily. They've just cut off a certain piece. PlayStation 4 will be supported for a number of years. PlayStation 5 will be supported for a number of years. So I'm personally not worried. And also, at the end of the day, there's so many hackers that in the next 20 years, there's bound to be somebody that's going to hack this damn console and give us all the ability to play these games without having to connect to a PlayStation server. I mean, it probably already exists for it, it, what we yeah. know, and it's just not in the article. Exactly. So, I mean, I am not worried about this. People are up in a panic for nothing. Like... It technology is going to continue to improve and we are going to have access to these games in a physical nature. Digital is a different story, but from a physical standpoint, I think we'll be fine. I think it's just been a lot of kind of like, you know, oh, Google shut down their stuff. Oh, PlayStation's going to be shutting down their stuff. Like, it's just kind of like, you know, it's been in the news a lot lately. So I could see the reaction to it kind of going this way. Well, and tied to this, our next article here is uh, PlayStation 5 adding PS3, PS2, and PS1 backwards compatibility. And uh, while this is just a patent that's been released, fans are speculating that this is the case. Well, and this is actually not like a brand new patent either. I saw somebody, uh, I think it was Spawnwave, cover this earlier this week, and this has actually been kind of out there for a while now. So I don't know if that other kind of... You know, panic going on right now kind of inspired people to go back and look at this. But basically, it's a system uh, they want to try to implement or, you know, the idea of its implementation would be through emulation, you take like a certain game value of like a point in the game. So let's say like Legend of the Dragoon, you get to the point where, you know, you beat the first boss and there's some value that they can identify in the emulation, and they set that as a trigger in the system that when it sees that value, it triggers the PlayStation 5 to reward you a trophy. So this would be a way to put like legacy trophy support into any old games that don't have it built in through whatever 
actual system triggers trophy awarding. So, I mean, it's good that they're thinking about it. I mean, there's really no reason why if Xbox has gone through and put all this effort in that Sony's not, except for, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe they're just focusing too much on other things. Like, I know we talked last week about PSVR 2 coming out. Xbox doesn't, you know, I think they just said very recently, you know, we are not planning on doing VR anytime soon. Don't, don't look at us because I think that the HoloLens was in the news again or some other... Microsoft AR thing, but yeah, they should, they should, like, my uh, brother-in-law, he's got a PS3 with the backwards compatibility, and a PS5, and that's all he needs, those two systems, he can play every PlayStation game, Yeah, you know, and that's, that's not bad, no, that's not bad, to just be limited to two, because you can't do that with Nintendo, every Nintendo console is basically its own platform except for the gamecube to wii and a wii to wii u those are backwards compatible ds 3ds yeah ds 3ds and then you've got your game boy all the way up until well know, everything can play game boy games yeah for the most part yeah <laughs> you probably it's probably easier to play game boy games on your phone than anywhere else yeah it's true you could buy that slot that pops into the phone i forgot about that uh, you know, but at the end of the day, too, with this whole patent situation, and maybe one of the reasons, and by the way, this was um, Tyler Fisher at uh, comicbook.com uh, for this article, but maybe one of the reasons we haven't heard anything from Sony regarding this whole DRM problem is because maybe they are planning to do something backwards compatible. Maybe they are going to let you play maybe PS3, PS2, care. and PS1. Yeah, or maybe they just don't care. Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, if PlayStation 5 does get backwards compatibility, then... Who cares about the digital component now? It and also, I mean, if you have, if you made purchases on the PlayStation Three, I'm I'm not a hundred percent aware on this one, but do they not carry over on PS4? Can you not grab those games if they're available on the PlayStation Four because you purchased them on your account? I, I don't think so. I don't believe so because I've got some stuff on PS3, and I mean, I think I remember there being. I guess it depends well, on I if mean, it's even I, available. Just most of those games aren't available. Like yeah. they're not available. Like there's no PS3 games available on the PS4 store. Yeah. I want to say there's no I mean, are there PS1 games? Like I've got Final Fantasy 9 on PlayStation 3. Yeah, and I got Sukadem 1 on PlayStation 3 as well. I don't recall. I mean, I don't honestly look I mean, for I retro. I mean, I've got 2 on Vita. Like, if they make that available on PS5, like, they're not going to let me just download it there for free, I doubt. I doubt it. And, like, honestly, I don't really go searching for retro games on the PlayStation 4 anyways. Like, I hardly... You'd I never... rather have the physical copy. Why yeah. waste the digital money? Yeah, I never, I never buy digital copies of games to begin with unless it's these free ones. That's it. I never touch... And then you're not buying them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I should take that back. I did download Fall Guys. But that's because my wife really wanted to play it. Well, and that's only digital. And that's only digital, yeah. Uh, okay, let's get into our next thing. This article is going to be by Sean Knight at TechSpot. And it says, Rare never opened N64 disk drive dev kit gets open for the first time. So basically, uh, the dev kit was really only released in Japan. It was kind of Nintendo's answer, in a sense, to the, the PlayStation having a disk-based media. Nintendo understood that the cartridge wasn't going to be, I guess, 
technically as powerful, I guess you could say, as like a disc-based type of uh, game. So they had this disc drive that was released out in Japan, never really did make it out to the U.S., and uh, it wasn't really sold very well. So it's a pretty rare piece of equipment uh, for VN64. And uh, recently, a guy had one that was sealed and decided to open it up to take pictures. And this, and this one was a dev kit, too, not just like the retail version. Yeah, so he went ahead and took this thing, opened up a brand new version of it, and took pictures of it. This, or really kind of showed his progress of opening it, which is really cool. I mean, guy lost probably a ton of value on it, right? Showing that it was, you know, opening it to, to show it off. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's uh, it's pretty cool, man, getting to see, like, that old and rare of a piece of equipment get open from its original packaging. Like, that's just not something that you see every day. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I would put it akin to, like, whenever somebody takes, like, an old pack of Alpha from Magic the Gathering to try and, and open it, it up, and yeah. opens it up to see what they can get. Like, I saw the video of a guy that opened up a Black Lotus from a pack, and his hands were, like, just literally shaking while he was doing it. He had the blue gloves and everything on to, like... You know, tongs just to make just sure don't that breathe. yeah, just don't breathe on it. Like it's behind plexiglass as I do this. Uh, so in one of those like incubator tanks with right? like, the big gloves. Yeah, put it into like the plastic sleeve, yeah. like right there, and like send it to Beckett. Uh, careful, careful. <laughs> it's like Homer of the Plutonium and the Simpsons trying to put this card into a thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would put it akin to Valix. This is super cool, and being able to, I haven't seen all of the photos i want to take a look at it again but being able to see like everything just popped out it's just interesting dude it's a good it's a feel-good article for this week uh for somebody to go check that out well and it's cool to see the differences too because like the in the in the article it talks about um metal jesus had done like an opening on one of these and like it's different like it had a black slot instead of a blue slot so it's like it's interesting to see like how minor differences in things, you know, exist and it's like was this an earlier model? Was this a later model? Like there's still lots to speculate on and it's like these are kind of like cool, you know, not too often of a fine things, but like I always wish like especially with stuff like this, like I understand whoever has this is like a collector, you know, somebody with like a, probably a ton of money this cost them to get. But like wouldn't it be so much cooler if something like this actually got into the hands of somebody who was going to, like, try to use it? Like, it's a dev kit for N64. Like, have somebody, like, try to make, like, a, you know, something with it. That would be neat. Wouldn't surprise me, you know, if somebody did that. Uh, well, so, yeah, check that article out. Uh, it's pretty cool. Check out all the images tied to that one. Uh, the next one is, wait, GameStop sells GPUs now. Or so they did. This is uh, Sean Hollister at Verge. Speaking of rare, impossible-to-find technology. Oh, my God. So uh, outside of this article, and we'll dive into it. Well, I guess we'll just say it really quick. So, yeah, basically GameStop is now offering GPUs as part of its, uh, you know, offering of products that they have. And they released, um, you know, their weekly ads saying, we sell these. And, of course, within a matter of, like, seconds, it was sold out. Like, whatever they had in stock, which is maybe, what, two, um, like everybody else. So that's really the bulk of that article is just GameStop is now selling GPUs and they're sold out officially. However, I was reading another article this morning about the overall shortage of the uh, semiconductors and why this is all occurring. This isn't only affecting gaming, which is nuts. Like it's affecting car manufacturers as well. 
because they're unable to get chips for vehicles. So like Neo, an electric uh, car manufacturer out of China, shut down production for like five days because they were unable to do this. And so, yeah, we can blame scalpers for a lot of this that's occurring, but some of the other global components of it that you have to consider is, of course, COVID shutting down a lot of supply chains. So you have, you know, an issue there. Uh, a lot of auto manufacturers didn't put in orders because they assumed that people were not going to be buying new cars and traveling during a pandemic. So they short ordered on everything, which is now you have car manufacturers who are trying to get a bunch of semiconductors as well. I blame uh, that chips. boat stuck in the canal. I blame that boat stuck in a canal. That's actually a big issue, apparently. <laughs> I don't I don't even know how it's possible. A lot of people are saying that's a Middle East conspiracy at this point, uh, trying to shut down and cripple the global economy. That's all nuts, too. Um, but yeah, so you have that. And then, of course, you have uh, manufacturers like uh, AMD and NVIDIA who typically make these products and have their GPUs who are unable to meet certain demands. And then you also have the consoles. That, so like, if you think about everything that needs a chip was likely not ordered in excess as to how much they actually needed because they thought, oh, people aren't going to be spending money. They're not going to want to buy these products. So you had short supply from the get-go on creating it. Uh, you also had, or you have major demand uh, coming through and you have supply chain issues. So they're saying that this problem could go on for a number of years, actually. But it's not so much like, oh, it's going to be fine and dandy once things open back up. Like They're saying this could be like several years from now. We're still going to be in a shortage as these manufacturers so are trying to catch up. So don't plan on buying one of these graphics cards. Wait for the next one. Yeah, yeah. wait for the next one. Like, at this point, screw Just it. skip this whole gen. Whole gen, yeah. Like I'm skipping the PlayStation 5. Like That's it. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's really interesting. And uh, some of the other things you're saying are like the prices of cars, like used cars, for example, are going to be going up uh, because... If you can't get a new car because they're just not able yeah. to produce these chips, used cars are your next bet, and those prices are going to start that, skyrocketing. That was happening a lot. Uh, I mean, I worked car adjacent last year, and uh, all the used dealerships that I knew, like they were killing it. But the problem was because used cars were such a hot commodity, trying to get your hands on used cars to sell was also a challenge. Yeah. It's interesting. Because usually those new dealers will just sell off their trade-ins because they're there to sell new cars, not used cars necessarily. But they were hanging on to them because well, they could so sell the trickle-down kind of goes away. And it, yeah, they, and also like trying to go to the auctions to buy. Like you couldn't physically go to the auctions. Like all the auctions were, you know, sight unseen, like online through photos only or like through a video tour. And you had to just try to, you know, hope you were getting something... The, worth your time yeah it, it's really an interesting issue occurring globally right now and uh, hopefully you know they can boost up the production of a lot of those uh, products so we can start getting things like new cars and video game consoles and gpus like i really want my gpu <laughs> i'm never gonna get one dude uh but how are they gonna make all of these super nintendo switch pro 2s who knows man like who knows Wait, Nintendo Switch Pros to <laughs> Yeah, I guess I see what you're saying. We'll just call it every name under the sun. All right. Well, uh, of course, the oh. best one I saw the other day was the Switch. The Switch two eyes like the Wii. Oh my god. <laughs> the Switch. The Switch. You. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, all right. So let's get into our inflation deflation this week. 
this one is Res Infinite. Uh, it was one of the free games that you have available to you by Wednesday. You said 8 p.m. Is that correct? 8 p.m. Eastern? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. Uh, United Game Artists is a developer on this. It was published by Enhanced Games. And uh, Tetsuya, or Tetsuya Mizoguchi, right? Yep. Is that right? Cool. That's, that was a producer. It was released in October of 2016. It is a rail shooter and uh, music-based game and had a reception of nine. Uh, I actually really enjoyed this game. Yeah, this was dope. I've heard so many good things about Res over the years. Um, you know, and I, I've i always kind of been interested in music games. Like, I like DDR. There was an awesome, like, DDR mobile game that I used to play a ton. Elite Beat Agents is awesome. Guitar Hero rocked the world for a long time. People still do, like, uh, Just Dance, you know, is huge every year, which is just as much about the music as it is about the dancing, really. But, yeah. You know, rhythm and music and video games, like, it all goes well together. This is, like, an on-rails shooter as opposed to, like, a rhythm game, but, like, you can kind of control your lock-ons and how many targets, and you can still kind of control the sound in a way. It's really neat. Uh, this is a dope game. Uh, the graphics are very, like, just kind of, like, interesting, like... It's lines. Yeah, it's yeah. Like vector graphics. It's yeah. like, you know, looks like it's out of Tron or something like that. Or out of a Vectrix. Yeah. Check out that episode. Uh, yeah, dude, I, I really did enjoy this one for sure. Uh, to your point, the music, it does have that, um, God, what's it called? Like a rhythm-based type of uh, nature going for it. Uh, I guess it is technically like a rhythm rail shooter. And uh, yeah, you're right. That whole... Vectrix type of look going for vector type graphics was pretty cool and it did make me wonder what this would look like in VR and there is a VR component there is, yeah you can play this in VR I think on uh, Windows and it's highly recommended like it even comes up you should have surround sound or a headset while playing this mm -hmm. game so I took my surround sound or sound bar with, you cranked it I cranked that thing up dude and it was sick having all of that music blasting and the bass pumping while you're playing like it was it was fun for sure yeah it's a dope game so uh, this was like an update to the original res with like more stuff added into it. I guess it's been kind of updated like a couple times. And I think and it was on PlayStation two is when it was initially released, right? The original res. Let me see. I've got the, I might be, I might be thinking of a different game right now. Res was originally launched on the Dreamcast and PS2. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Figured. Uh, so yeah, and I, I think that game's kind of kind of expensive nowadays on the PlayStation Two, but you know, free is a good price to have for this title. Well, and this was released physical on PS4, but only as like a collector's edition. Like I didn't see. I tried searching on price charting, and all I could find was like a big box version of this. So that's why the price is like a little bit inflated. Though it is crazy that like the game on its own loose. Holds almost all of the value of that release. Well, I think it was a limited run release. And and kind of to get back into the game a little bit here, uh, there are, I think, eight overall stages or six overall stages for the game itself. And the general basis of this game is that uh, there's this like Project Eden that uh, has gone down or it's developed like a subconscious. And you're supposed to, as this character, you go into the... Uh, computer system essentially and you're trying to get past uh, firewalls and viruses by shooting them down uh, to be able to put Eden back online and um, so it's a general idea I mean it's 
not a super heavy story, right? It's just kind of give you a basic idea of like, here's why it looks like the way it looks. Uh, but uh, that said, dude, there's a huge shout out to the music in this. Like, yeah, the music is what it's all about. Like, there's a ton of different people that worked on the music for this. I would really recommend you go to the wiki and look at that because it's going to give you a much better idea, you know. Well, and so the boss fights that we had too are pretty cool because while there is that rhythm based thing, like you're in the rhythm while you're playing this game and just like trying to hit all of these targets at once, like it just, all of it just kind of meshes together. I mean, it's, it's this crazy bunch of colors and things flying on screen and you trying to target things while also trying to keep this rhythm and you're just into it while you're playing it. So I... I think the reception of a nine that this received is probably pretty spot on. The only thing I would say that's a negative and maybe not necessarily a negative is going to be the amount of levels that are present uh, within that. The game to me went by very quickly while we were like, you probably do this in one set down, play this full game. Yeah. Uh, So when you look at a price point of we're looking at complete in box 7886 uh, right now and peaking at $90 and 13 cents back in August of uh, 2020. And then also a loose copy right now at $72.91 and peaking at $79.20 in June of 2020. That's slightly higher than um, what it was. or It's going up higher, essentially. Uh, I mean, it's hard to justify paying that much for a game that's only like, realistically, maybe an hour or two of your time. If you put it, like, if you died at any point. I think that that's a little high. I do think it's a great game, though. I would say that reception of a nine is is pretty spot on. What, oh, what would you say? You know what? Never mind. I thought it looked like a big box on price charting, but I was fooled because it's got the the sleeve open, <laughs> so it makes it look like you're looking at a box from the corner on when gotcha. really it's just a game case that's open. So I'm looking at it here. It was released by I am Eight Bit. I am a bit okay in a, a limited capacity. So it was uh, originally thirty nine ninety nine. So now it's like gone up to double that almost. So well, and here's the thing: if you're willing to pay forty bucks back then, you really want this game. A complete in box copy at seventy eight bucks is not that far off. You know, if this is a game that you think is going to be of interest to you and something that you want to add to your shelf, and I am eight bit actually does produce some great games. I've got a they Best Buy has a lot of their games, so I try to pick them up every now and then when I get in there. So what is your overall thought on the reception? I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, an eight or a nine is about correct on this game. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a fun game. I was trying to look up cause I know that I read that there was like also a big release for the soundtrack for this, which is probably worth even more than a physical copy of the game. But like, this is so about the music that like, if you're, if you're really into it and a, and a huge audiophile, I would suggest, you know, looking into the collectability of, you know, getting like the vinyl set of this or, you know, a standalone CD set or something like something that's really more about the audio because like the game itself is not really worth throwing that money at, but a really cool CD set that, or I think it was like a vinyl set that has like four discs and like an art book and an interview book and stuff like that. Like, that's worth collecting way more than just a limited release of just this game, yeah. I think. So I'm going to go with this one's definitely inflated if you're buying it physically. But, I mean, right now it's free for everyone. 
So just go get it right now, and you'll never have to worry about it because nothing beats free. Until your uh, battery dies. Yeah. <laughs> Until, your, Until your battery dies and the but world ends. Even so, like nobody you, cares. If you can get this game later on at like 20 bucks, I think it's totally worth it. You know, 20, 30 bucks for a digital copy, you'd, you'd be okay at that yeah. point. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you, dude. Uh, we'll give a rating of inflated here for this game. Uh, well, if you like what you heard, uh, catch us on some other podcast applications if you don't like the one you're on right now uh, via Podcast Addict, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Castbox, Overcast, uh, really wherever podcasts are found. We're on there. If we're not on there, let us know in the comments on our social media. And of course, you can catch uh, our out of date website because we have not put in the oh updates God. that we need to uh, at thegamedeflators.com. We do have, of course, an archive of all of our episodes on there. So you can definitely check out older episodes and descriptions that are tied to those uh, on there as well. Uh, that being said, uh, this has been episode 125 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.